Well, good morning. Welcome to Long Hill Baptist Church. We're going to start with number 45, I'll Hail the Power. Number 45, we'll sing the first, second, and last verse. All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Ye chosen seed of Israel's race, ye ransomed from the fall. Hail him who saved you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Hail him who saved you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. Well, good morning again, uh, if you joined us for the 10 o'clock hour, and I hope you did. Uh, good morning again. Uh, it's a privilege to be able to uh, meet together online uh, as we are. I hope this is a help and encouragement to you. Of course, this is not ideal uh, by a long shot, but we praise God for our technology. We prayed this morning uh, that things would work well, and so far... Uh, our technology seems to be holding up. So we praise God for that. Let's go ahead and open this morning in prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for uh, allowing us, for enabling us to meet together online, to uh, teach your words and to share them, to preach them, to encourage one another uh, at a time when we cannot be together uh, due to this present trial. Now, Father, I know this morning, Lord, that you are in control of all things. Uh, Lord, this uh, coronavirus situation is, is not one bit out of your control. It is perfectly, entirely, completely in your control. Lord, help us to remember that you have your purposes and you're accomplishing them. That said, Father, we do pray, uh, if it's your will, when it's your will, Lord, that you would lift this trial. Uh, deliver us from it as only you can. Father, allow us to safely, wisely meet together once again. Lord, we pray that you would accomplish that this morning. Uh, meanwhile, Lord, we pray that you would use this present situation to draw people to you. Lord, to draw believers into a closer walk and a greater reliance with you. And Father, open doors to share the gospel as people are uh, concerned and, and thinking about matters of life and death and eternity. I pray that you open doors for us to faithfully share Jesus Christ and the faith uh, that saves. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you so much that you're there for us. You've not forsaken us. You're still there for us. Nothing has changed in that regard. Lord, I love you. I pray that you'll meet with us in these next few minutes. Lord, as people are singing at home, I, first of all, I pray that they would, but they would sing also with joy and uh, Lord, that they would sing of you and to you, and that, uh, Father, I pray this morning that you'd be pleased in all of this. Work here now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we'll take our hymn books again as we turn to number 58. We'll sing all three verses of Isn't the Love of Jesus Something Wonderful? Number 58. There will never be a sweeter story, 
Story of the Savior's love divine, love that brought him from the realms of glory, just to save a sinful soul like mine. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Oh, isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful, wonderful it is to me? Boundless as the universe around me, reaching to the farthest soul away. <coughs> Saving, keeping love it was that found me. That is why my heart can truly say, Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Oh, isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful, wonderful it is to me? And the last, love beyond our human comprehending, love of God in Christ, how can it be? This will be my theme in never-ending, great redeeming love of Calvary. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Oh, isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful, wonderful it is to me? Amen. And we'll go right into our third song, number 411. Four hundred eleven. We'll sing the first, second, and last of "Revive Us Again." Number four hundred eleven. Revive us again. We praise Thee, O God, for the Son of Thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah! Thine the glory. Hallelujah! Amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory, revive us again. We praise thee, O God, for the spirit of light who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, thine the glory, hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory, revive us again. And the last, revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love, may each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory, hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory, revive us again. Well, let's take our Bibles uh, this morning, please. I encourage you to have a Bible at home. Uh, yeah, I encourage you to take notes at home. Uh, don't uh, go soft on me now just because we're not home. Have your Bible out, please. Uh, have a notebook out. Take some notes this morning, please. Let's turn in our Bibles uh, this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to pick it up just exactly where we left off last Sunday morning uh, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And my plan today is that this will be a two-part message. So we'll uh, see several points here this morning. Uh, in the second half of, of this chapter. And then tonight, uh, be back here, 6 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, we'll continue and see several more points uh, here in the same chapter. So a uh, two-part message today. Now let's, let's back up and just consider uh, the context. Let's set the stage here uh, if we could. Last Sunday morning in the first half uh, of this chapter, we saw we saw a number of things, but the, the big thing that we saw, the main point we saw was that Paul had this testimony that God had used an affliction in his life to humble him, to keep him humble. 
Uh, Paul, of course, had had uh, great privileges in ministry. Uh, he was called of the Lord to go and plant churches, and he was used of God to uh, pen down uh, a large portion of the New Testament. He, uh, he had led many to Christ. Now, of course, he had experienced great difficulties uh, in his ministry, but, but in all of that, there were great, great privileges and great accomplishments that the Lord, the Lord had through Paul uh, that might have been a temptation, nonetheless, for Paul to get prideful. Look at me. Look what I've accomplished for God. Uh, God used uh, trials, uh, and certainly this trial of affliction, this illness, whatever it was, whatever this thorn in the side was, uh, Paul understood that God used it to keep him humble in ministry. Now, this morning, in the second half of this same chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, we see that uh, through the power of Christ, uh, having been kept humble by the Lord, uh, and now uh, in the power of Christ still, Paul is able to remain faithful, to keep serving, uh, despite the trials that he's facing. And, and this morning he seems to be uh, speaking to the fact that he's able to continue on in his ministry despite the trial of having to endure the bad behavior of at least some of the people there uh, in the Corinthian church to whom he writing. Remember, it was, a, it was a church that had a lot of problems. It was a church that uh, had a lot of sin. Uh, Paul had, uh, back in 1 Corinthians, addressed sin that they had not addressed. And uh, it seems like they've dealt with some sin, but, but no doubt there's still problems uh, in the Corinthian church as he's writing to them. Now, uh, stop and think how easy it is at times uh, to get frustrated with one another. Stop and think about uh, how easy it is to get uh, frustrated with someone else's spiritual immaturity in the church or how easy it is to get frustrated with someone else's sin uh, in the church. Of course, so often uh, we focus on those things to build ourselves up in our minds and uh, you know, we're putting others down for their immaturity and building ourselves up, not realizing that in doing that, we ourselves are acting in a spiritually uh, immature way. So uh, Paul wants us to see, I believe, um, among other things, uh, one of the main things that we can take from this part of, of uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians is that he was able in Christ to continue ministering to people uh, who were far from perfect, who were spiritually immature. He did not, he would not allow their imperfection to cause him to stop ministering to them. Now, this is incredibly important for at least two or three reasons this morning. Uh, as I've said, we uh, today are challenged at times to deal with less mature uh, church members. Uh, and that's true even if we're not able to meet together in person. Uh, we hear things, we see things, we see things online. Uh, sometimes there's a temptation to great frustration with uh, folks that are less mature. And uh, sometimes, uh, as I've said already, we ourselves are the less mature uh, church members, causing others to have to deal with us. That's a fact. Uh, and sometimes we wrongly allow uh, periods of trial like the one that we're in now uh, rather than encouraging it or allowing it to encourage us to respond with greater maturity, uh, rather than uh, having the trial, allowing the trial to bring out the best in us, uh, sometimes great trials, we allow them to bring out the worst in us, and people have to deal with us. There's a temptation to allow the bad things, uh, the, the sinful things, to be frustrations that would tempt us to just walk away from each other, uh, to stop ministering to each other. Paul did not do that. He found a strength in Christ to continue on even when people are being bad. So consider this question. We'll read the passage and then we'll jump in. If a brother or sister, here's the question, if during a time of difficulty like this one, a brother or sister stumbles, if their behavior becomes less mature than it should be, uh, how do you react? How will you react? What will you do? 
This morning we find uh, good spiritual instruction from the Lord through Paul uh, in his example. So uh, take your Bible if you would. Let's read beginning here in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in uh, verse 12. We'll read down through the end of the chapter. Here Paul writes, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, uh, Paul's patience, uh, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds, power of God. He says in verse 13, for what is it wherein ye were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you? Uh, forgive me this wrong. We'll talk about that verse for a bit. Uh, verse 14, he says, behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, uh, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you, for the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. We'll, we'll see some things about those verses. Verse 15, he says, And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. In verse 16, he says, But be it so, I did not burden you. Nonetheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. Did I make a gain of you? by any of them whom I sent unto you. I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Walked we not in the same spirit? Walked we not in the same steps? Again, verse 19, think ye that we excuse ourselves unto you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. Verse 20, he continues, For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not, lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, and tumults. Verse 21, he ends here, And lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. This morning we see here that Paul remained faithful in the face of difficulties, in the face of concern about the continuing sin and immaturity uh, and carnality of many of the church members at Corinth, Paul remained faithful despite those concerns. Let's stop and pray. Father, thank you this morning for Paul's example of continuing on in Christ despite the carnality, despite the immaturity of at least some of the church members there at Corinth. He was not discouraged he did not get angry and walk away from them and refuse to continue ministering to them. Lord, of course, we understand he found strength to continue in the face of potentially discouraging people, potential immaturity. Lord, Paul found strength in Christ to continue ministering to people even when they were discouraging to him. And Father, I pray this morning that we would take up this example and take up some of these specific observations and principles that we can see here today. And Lord, determine in our hearts this morning to seek strength in you to continue ministering to people, to continue demonstrating love, to continue uh, sharing your words and encouraging others even when they're bad to us. Lord, to love people even when they fail to return love to us. Father, we need to. We see in your word today that it's possible. Paul found strength in you to do that, and we can too. I pray now, Lord, that you'll help us to uh, receive these things and to apply them in our life, even today. Lord, help us now. Be with us now. Help us to get these things, to understand them, and to apply them in our own lives today. I love you, Father. I thank you, and I pray this in thy son's name, in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Now, you know a lot about the church at Corinth. It, it was a church that was struggling with divisions. It was a church that was struggling with carnality. Uh, some of the people grew and were doing well, but many were not. And they were causing all kinds of difficulties, all kinds of, uh, of, of, of 
uh, fracturing of, of the, the unity in the church. Uh, some evidently uh, were uh, speaking about Paul negatively, uh, trying to draw followers to themselves. There were a lot of problems in that church. And uh, Paul might have been tempted to say, you know what, that's, that's enough. Uh, I've had enough of all of that. Uh, how, how dare those people treat me the way they've treated me? How dare they wrongly accuse me? Uh, how, how dare they just not grow up in Christ and wash his hands of that and, and move on? He did not do that. Uh, he did not do that. Uh, he continued to minister to people despite their immaturity, uh, despite the difficulty of doing so. He wrote to them. He had a heart to go back to them, to be with them, uh, to encourage their growth in person. Uh, that's a wonderful example. And it's an example that's made possible by Christ alone. And of course, it's very relevant to us today. We we need to continue on encouraging and ministering each other to each other, uh, even when people are being bad to us. And uh, if we're honest, we recognize this morning that uh, we can be bad to each other at times. Uh, we can be. Uh, we can get in the flesh and be bad to each other at times. So what I want to do is we'll see several points uh, in this message. We'll see several more points uh, in the next message. Let's just jump in here. And I hope you do have a pen in hand to get down some of these things this morning. Number one, uh, we see here Paul remained faithful to minister. Uh, he remained faithful to keep ministering to that church and to its members because he was able to find patience uh, and power. There's two Ps in one point. Uh, patience and power uh, in the Lord or from the Lord. See uh, verse 12 here, please. Let's Let's uh, face down in the Bible, please. Truly, he says, uh, he's, he's writing to the church there, the signs of an apostle wrought among you. He says, uh, you know, uh, I, I came uh, with, with evidence, with confirmation through signs that the Lord uh, worked in me and, and through me, uh, through signs of an apostle were wrought among you. Uh, truly, the signs of an apostle wrought among uh, you, all of you, in patience, he says, in all patience, uh, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Paul uh, is writing of and reminding them that he came uh, with this wonderful supernatural patience. Now, he's testifying to them about that, reminding them about that, uh, but also it's a wonderful clue to, for us uh, regarding how Paul was able to continue ministering to difficult people, sinful people, spiritually immature people, people who at times just didn't want to get right. Uh, Paul had a wonderful, godly patience. Now consider that word for a moment. Uh, we have a pretty good idea of the meaning of the word. It has the idea of uh, enduring a difficulty uh, with cheerfulness uh, or hopefulness. It has the idea of enduring difficulty with hope that things will improve. Now, praise God this morning that we can have the same hope. We can, we can be patient toward each other because we can have a confidence and a faith in Christ. The Lord is still working on each of us, most certainly including the pastor. Uh, you could stay faithful to encourage, keep encouraging each other even when we're, someone else is being bad because you can have a confidence that as you encourage each other in the things of God, uh, in the Word of God, that the Word of God is powerful. The Holy Spirit has a, a powerful action in, in our lives. Uh, and you can be confident in that and go forward in patience. Uh, we see uh, the Lord grows our patience a variety of different ways. Uh, we understand this morning that one of the ways that God encourages patience uh, is through trials. And don't forget that. We are in uh, the midst of a trial this morning. Uh, one of the things that God accomplishes through trials is patience. Uh, see Paul's heart, uh, Romans 5 and verse 3. Uh, I'm not going to give you time to go there. Just listen. Romans 5 and verse 3. Paul said, we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulations worketh patience. 
Uh, Paul understood that one of God's purposes for trials is to grow our patience. It is a biblical, it's a Bible truth this morning that God grows our patience through trials. So Paul said, therefore, I'll glory in tribulations because I understand that God is accomplishing my spiritual growth, which includes a growing patience. We need that. Uh, we need that patience to exercise toward each other. Otherwise, the church is going to fracture. Our relationships are, are going to suffer when someone is being immature. Uh, the church is going to fracture as, as relationships fracture. Uh, we need this patience that comes, that the Lord grows through trials. James says, the trying of your faith worketh patience. Remember, James also says, count it all joy. Uh, Paul said, we glory in tribulation. James says, good, be sure you do that, all of you. Uh, this morning, let's determine and redetermine to not be discouraged by the trial that we're in, but to uh, rejoice, to glory, to count it all joy, knowing that one of the things that God is accomplishing is growing our patience. And what if you're not in a big trial? What about when this trial ends? And of course, there'll be more trials behind and God will work with those. But, but what else do we have to grow our patience? Well, back in Romans 15 and verse 4, uh, Paul said, uh, he, Lord reveals through Paul, that we have scripture. God's words encourage our patience also. Romans 15 and verse 4, uh, Paul writes, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning. Uh, what a wonderful privilege to be able to open up God's instruction book, God's textbook. The Bible is for our learning. He says that or so that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures uh, might have hope. Well, this morning, I praise God, you could find comfort in the scriptures. Uh, if, you're, if you're discomforted by the trial that we're in right now, get into your Bible and allow the Lord to comfort you through his words. Uh, the Psalms, wonderfully comforting. Uh, you, you may have your favorite passages where you find comfort. Find it where uh, you should in, in the word of God. But don't forget also, Paul shows us here that, uh, yep, sure enough, the scriptures comfort us, but also encourage a growing patience uh, in the heart, in the life of believers. So we have trials, we have scripture, both uh, God has designed and intended to grow our patience. We need that. Uh, we need that to exercise toward one another. Of course, we're patiently waiting on the return of the Lord. Don't get discouraged uh, waiting. Lord, when are you coming? We're, we're patiently waiting for him. Meanwhile, we have to demonstrate an exercise of patience toward each other. Uh, the next time someone is being bad, whether it's face-to-face uh, -face or online or on the phone or, or whatever it is, just take a moment. Uh, just pray a silent prayer. Lord, help me to be patient. God, help me not to be discouraged or, or discouraging, but help me to be patient. Help me to encourage this person to be a comfort to them. Help me to share a verse that might be a help to them. Lord, knowing that your word uh, is powerful, knowing that this person, we're all in, in this trial together, and Lord, you're still working on all of us uh, in the midst of this trial. So uh, Paul was able to keep ministering because he had this godly patience. And don't miss this. Verse 12 also, uh, in verse 12, Paul also alludes to the mighty power of God in his life. He had this patience, but he also had the power of God, uh, no doubt, to exercise patience. Uh, there in verse 12, at, at the end of verse 12, he says uh, he, he had come to them uh, ministering the signs of an apostle uh, and wonders and, and mighty deeds. Those uh, no doubt that's an allusion to the temporary sign gifts that the Lord exercised through the apostles to uh, confirm the gospel, uh, to confirm the, that the local church was the Lord's new place of, of worship and assembly and uh, to uh, use those things to, to spread the gospel and, and to encourage uh, the organizing of churches. Uh, God exercised that power in Paul's life uh, Paul knew a great power of the Lord, and uh, no doubt those sign gifts were intended primarily to be an influence to those who, to whom Paul shared the gospel 
and ministered to, but that power of God was Paul's source of strength and power to keep on going on despite the bad behavior of people in those churches that he planted. Listen, we have the same power. We have the same power. We have the same Holy Spirit that Paul had. Uh, when people are being bad, carnal, immature, we can continue to move on uh, encouraging them to not let their relationship be fractured and not walk away and stay away from people, uh, but to have a wonderful, confident hope that God's still working on them just like he's working on me uh, and exercise uh, a wonderful patience. Secondly, this morning, patience, I should say. Uh, secondly, this morning, we see uh, that Paul was able to remain faithful to minister uh, to difficult people, uh, despite even being falsely accused of wrong motives. Uh, he was able to continue ministering to people even when people wrongly accused him uh, of some wrongdoing. Now, I don't know what your experience has been. Uh, I, I suspect over time you may have been uh, accused wrongly, wrongly accused, so accused of something that you did not do. Uh, I've been there. You've probably been there. That is a potentially, Brother Ray, potentially a very frustrating thing uh, that might discourage us. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been wrongly accused of having a wrong motive in your ministry. Uh, Paul was accused of having a wrong motive in his ministry. He's always responding to people's accusations or evident accusations that he ministered for money. He, he was in it for the money, uh, like some obviously are even in this day. Uh, he did not allow wrong accusations to cause him to stop ministering to people. Uh, he, he was able to exercise patience and power of God to keep going, uh, even when people wrongly uh, accused him. Uh, he says in verse 13, For what is it wherein ye were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you? Uh, he says, I think, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, uh, forgive me this wrong. There might be some uh, Holy Spirit-inspired sarcasm there. Uh, forgive me this wrong. Uh, behold, the third time I'm ready to come to you and I will not be burdensome to you. I'm not coming uh, to get an offering. I'm not going to come and preach to you and encourage you just to get a love offering. Uh, I seek not yours but you, for children ought not to lay up for the parents, uh, but parents uh, for the uh, but the parents for the children. So uh, he continues there illustrating his heart. He views himself as a spiritual parent to spiritual children. Uh, he had come and shared the gospel and, and, and they were reborn. He was, in that sense, a spiritual parent. They were spiritual children. Uh, he likens himself to a parent uh, saying, no, you know what, parents should support their children, uh, not the other way around. He would do that despite their false accusations. So I want to encourage you today, uh, decide today that you're not going to allow a false accusation to derail your ministry. You're not going to allow someone's misperception, uh, someone's false accusation to discourage, you, to discourage you from keeping on for the Lord. You know, if someone comes with a false accusation, you can address them. Uh, you, you, you can explain why that's wrong. Uh, you can patiently uh, go to them and explain your concern. Don't, don't forget that first step of uh, the church discipline process. Go, go to the one uh, who has offended. Uh, explain your concern. Uh, if someone questions your motives, answer them. Explain your heart, your true motive. Keep on ministering. Uh, don't let a misperception or a false accusation derail you from the ministry that God has placed you into. And listen, uh, just because we're not able to meet right now doesn't mean that we're not still called to be ministering to each other. We need to be ministering to each other now uh, more than ever, like never before. Uh, as I've encouraged so often, calling each other, writing each other, sending a note, sending a text, FaceTime, whatever works for you, keep ministering to each other. Uh, with Holy Spirit-powered patience, 
even when people question your motive uh, for doing that. Just keep going. Number three, number three, Paul remained faithful to keep ministering to others uh, in that church at Corinth, some of whom were, were really bad toward him, uh, even when it meant spending himself to minister to others, even when it meant using himself up to meet the spiritual needs of others, Paul continued forward. Now see verse 15, please. He says this, and I will very gladly, that what a great heart, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. I will very gladly start spending myself for you uh, until my wallet is empty, if you will. Uh, Paul's heart was to keep ministering to others, even if he meant that uh, he would be all used up uh, because they were so immature that they required so much from him. Uh, he says, I will very gladly spend myself. Uh, he has a heart here to invest uh, his time, his energy, his physical strength to benefit the church members. He's not saving up his time and his energy and his strength uh, to all of it to pursue those things that, that, that he might desire. Uh, he's willing to use himself to invest himself, his time, his energy, his strength to encourage the growth of the church members. He went so far as to say that he would gladly be spent for them. He would start spending his strength to minister to people, even when they were being bad, and he would continue spending his strength on them, even if it meant using up all of his strength to do so, literally to exhaust himself of strength if that's what it needed to uh, correct, uh, lovingly correct the church members and to encourage them to grow away from uh, that carnality to a greater and greater spiritual maturity. Now, parents, of course, lovingly spend their money uh, to meet the needs of their children. It's part of being a parent. Uh, we desire that children grow up and accomplish the things that God has for them, and that requires parents to make an investment in the lives of their children. Uh, parents, of course, know that that sometimes means spending uh, all you have, your money, your energy. Uh, that's what parents do. Again, Paul views himself here as a spiritual parent, uh, a spiritual parent who uh, not only would, would not receive support from his children, but he would spend himself on them uh, as much as necessary to get them growed up spiritually. Listen, that's love. Uh, that's a great love. That's a godly love. That's a, a willingness to give yourself, uh, to give of yourself, your time, your energy, your strength, uh, to encourage the growth of others, even if it means using yourself up in the process. That's a great love. That's a Holy Spirit-authored, a Holy Spirit-powered love that we see in Paul's heart and in his actions. He was able uh, to continue on because he had a heart to give of himself and to keep giving of himself uh, even when people were being bad. He understood that they're being bad because they still needed to grow and that he would need to make a greater investment in them to encourage that growth. So here's a question. Do you, do you have spiritual children? Uh, do you have people that you have led to the Lord? I hope that you do. Uh, have you led people to Christ? Have you been willing to invest yourself in the growth of your own spiritual children, as Paul was. Of course, I'm not necessarily referring to money, but, but again, our, our time, our energy, uh, to invest that in teaching and encouraging uh, your spiritual children. Uh, may, maybe there's not folks around you today that are your spiritual children, literally. Maybe not folks that you've led to Christ, but um, are you willing to invest yourself 
to promote the growth of others, whether, whether you brought them to Christ or not. If you see someone in the church who's struggling, who's not really growing, it seems like they're stuck in their growth. There's some issues that, that they could use some encouragement, some exhortation, some uh, loving exhortation to come apart from that, to, uh, some loving instruction. Are, are you willing to invest yourself in providing that? Well, pastor, I'm not with people. Great, call them, write them, be kind, be loving, but be willing to invest yourself in the growth of others. We need that. We need people in our church. All churches need people who are willing to invest themselves in the lives of others. Listen, with investment comes return. And a lot of times, great investment uh, comes with great return. Someone will say, yep, yeah, pastor, risk. Well, I don't know. Uh, is, is there risk in following biblical principles? This is this is wonderful type of investment that you can make because there really isn't a lot of risk. Uh, even if someone doesn't grow as you invest in them, uh, you are pleasing the Lord and there'll be a return in heaven and in, in terms of eternal rewards uh, in heaven. Uh, so you really can't lose when you invest yourself in the lives of people this side of heaven. It's God's desire and no matter what, he will reward that in eternity. Lord, thank you. Give us a heart to invest in each other's lives, even when we're being bad. And when we see someone who's less mature than they should be uh, or, or sinning, uh, <laughs> of course, in a way they should not be, let that be our cue to step in with loving encouragement. Let that be our prompt to invest in that person, not to push them away or for us to run away. So we've seen several things. Let's, let's see a fourth and final thing uh, this morning. Paul, uh, he remained faithful uh, to keep serving people, to keep ministering to them, uh, even though his love that he demonstrated for others frequently was not returned. Uh, Paul, uh, he continued to be faithful to minister to people, to encourage them, to exhort them to grow uh, lovingly. Uh, he continued to invest himself lovingly even when uh, the love was not returned to him. Look at the second part of verse 15. He says, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, uh, I, I'm continuing to encourage you in this letter, and if God will let me come back to you, uh, I'm going to encourage you uh, there in person, even though the more I love you, the more I do for you, it seems like the less you're willing to do for me. The more I invest my love in you, the less you return that to me. In our 10 o'clock hour this morning, we saw uh, Paul pray for the love of the Thessalonian church. And Paul says to the church here, uh, listen, I have a great love for you. And I'm not going to let that be diminished, even though you don't seem to have much of a love for me. One man said uh, Paul's situation uh, was kind of like a, a parent of a teenager. Very often parents uh, feel like the more they invest in a teenager, the more love they show to a teenager, uh, the less love they get back from a teenager. And that's a temporary thing as immature teens grow into more mature adults. Um, sometimes it seems before they grow up, uh, the more you do for them, the less they want to do for you. And of course, that's how Paul feels here. And he recognizes, however, that the real issue is that they're spiritual babes, uh, teenagers spiritually at best. The more he would demonstrate love to them by serving them and teaching them and encouraging them, even if they didn't return that love to him, he would keep on loving them. 
He would demonstrate love to them by serving them, by encouraging them, by teaching them, encouraging them to repent of sin and to grow up in the Lord. He would do that in love. He would demonstrate love to them that way even when they didn't return that love. That is a godly love. Listen, uh, parents don't stop loving their teenage children because their teenagers don't return love to them. And obviously this morning, neither should we stop demonstrating love to someone in the church because that person doesn't love us back or because it, it doesn't seem like that person loves us back. We can continue to demonstrate love to fellow church members even when they don't love us in return. We can do that this morning because the Lord desires it, the Lord commands it, uh, and Christ makes that possible. It's because this morning, it's because of Christ and the cross and our faith in him and the fact that the Holy Spirit came and uh, changed us and indwelt us and remade, remade us the moment that we placed our faith in Christ upon the cross. We were reminded once again this morning of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love. The Lord makes it possible for us to continue demonstrating love even when people don't return it to us. That's a wonderful, godly love to which we are called. And I'll say again this morning, uh, when someone fails to demonstrate love to us, that ought to be our prompt, our cue, just to keep on investing in them. Keep on showing them love because they are not yet where they should be in their growth as Christians. Their failure to demonstrate love, to return love back to us, to do for us, should not be an excuse. Uh, it's not an occasion or an excuse for us to say, enough, I'm done with you, and, and walk away from them. It should be a prompt. It should be a reminder that uh, God's not done with that person, and, and God's not done having me to invest in that person. A different mindset is what's needed. Lord, help us to make a new habit of willingness to continue to invest lovingly in people even when they don't love us back, uh, even when they're uh, bad to us. Lord, help us to view that as a reminder to continue investing rather than an opportunity or an excuse to get angry and to flee away from that person, to invest ourselves somewhere else. Let's stop there and pray this morning. Father, I pray, I pray this morning that uh, we could be a people who will continue to be willing, to be faithful, to minister to each other, uh, even when we're bad, even, even when others are bad, even when others are difficult, Lord, give us patience and power to continue investing ourselves in a fellow church member. Lord, even when someone might uh, say wrong things about me, even when there's a false accusation or gossip, yes, Lord, help me to be faithful to go to them and, and work that out, but let that not be an excuse for me to gossip about them. Lord, let it be a reminder that you're still working on them and God, you can use me to encourage the growth of that person. Lord, help me to be willing to spend myself, to invest myself in others in the church, even when they're being bad, even when they're not demonstrating love to me. Father, I can do that this morning because of Christ. I can do that this morning because of the Holy Spirit who indwells me. Lord, I can do that this morning recognizing that ultimately I serve you and that you will reward no matter what. 
Father, these are trying times. I pray this morning that you will grow our patience. I pray this morning that we would all know your power in our lives even more mightily in days like these. Father, I pray this morning if the trial, if we allow the trial to push us off track, if we allow the trial to encourage us to be bad to someone in our church, Lord, that that other person would remember this message and say, I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to invest myself and encourage you. I'm going to let your bad behavior toward me be a prompt to invest myself in you. Father, I know this morning that's exactly what you did at the cross. You sent your only begotten son to die on the cross for wicked, sinful people like us, like me. Father, I thank you this morning that it is because of that, it is because of Christ, that we can lovingly invest ourselves in sinful people. Lord, help us to do that for your honor and for your glory. Father, I love you this morning. Thank you so much for this passage. Uh, Lord, you know I was tempted to skip over it this morning, but it's exactly what we need this morning. And so I thank you for using it in our church this morning. I pray that we not forget this quickly, that we remember it. And Lord, that we exercise, we put into action the things that we have heard this morning. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Zachary will come now and he'll close us uh, in hymn number 429 when we all get to heaven this morning. If you know Christ as your Savior, you can sing this verse uh, with confidence that no matter what trials we face, no matter what coronavirus comes to uh, in our lives, in our, in our world, if, if I know Christ, I've got nothing to worry about uh, heaven is my home no matter what. Uh, this morning I encourage you to sing out with us. Uh, if you know Christ as your Savior, you can sing when I, when I get to heaven, when we all get to heaven. If you're not sure uh, that you know Christ as your Savior, I encourage you this morning, uh, reach out to us. Reach out to someone uh, you know. Uh, ask them. Uh, tell me, hey, how can I know? Of course, you can know that if you place your faith in Christ, you come confessing sin, you place your faith in him, uh, you can be confident of forgiveness. You can be confident of eternal life. Get with someone today who can walk you through the gospel and, and pray with you this morning. Uh, Zach, you come and, and lead us in uh, song and close us in prayer, please. All right, we'll uh, take our hymnics and go to number 429. We'll sing the first and the last of When We All Get to Heaven, number 429. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Onward to the prize before us, soon his beauty will behold. Soon